Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. Allie. Good morning. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, sunshine. Good morning to you. It is very early and a beautiful day here in Michigan. It is. It rained a little bit yesterday, but I have faith that today will be a sunny day. Yeah. Yeah. And we need a little rain every now and then to keep the flowers pretty. You know what I mean? I don't have any flowers. Oh. I got rid of them all. Got rid of them all. Okay. True story. I uh, planted some tulip bulbs. And the next year, like this one little leaf comes up and we're like, all right. The next year, three little leaves come up. We're like, okay, okay, it's about to do something. Five <laughs> leaves. Like the next year, we're starting to doubt, is it a tulip? Did I, did I, you know, make put a plant a hyacinth? What I do? And then finally, literally five years later, a single tulip came up. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, that was like a couple years ago. Now we have three in that area. And I saw another one starting to grow from bulbs that we planted before. I didn't realize that it took that long or maybe because... I truly have a very shady front yard. I have a tree that blocks like the entirety of my front yard. I never knew. My grandfather grew tulips. Yeah. I just but, <laughs> but I do know you're supposed to take the bulbs up every year and put them in a brown paper bag and then oh. replant them. Oh, maybe that's why mine took five years. Maybe. All my plants are alive because they've determined to be that way. <laughs> Like I have a beautiful mini rose bush that it's it's basically living its best life because it's determined to. Like I'm not that a very good gardener. It's out there just living life. Look, even when I planted stuff outside, okay, I kill everything. I killed a <laughs> cactus for God's sakes. Um, I they would die, yeah. so I got rid of all the flowers in my yard. I okay. put down just mulch. Okay. Then my dog ruined that. So hundreds of dollars later, now I'm growing grass. Okay. In those areas and that's it. And then in the front yard, there's a flower bed by the front door, which has no flowers, just black mulch. Okay. Looks okay. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you want to talk about today? I'm going to talk about a 1997 murder of Tamara Williams, but... I got another thing to tell you. What's that? This morning, I was reading the news, drinking my coffee, and I seen this article, which is interesting, that the state of Michigan is now allowing electronic license plates. Yeah. Isn't that cool? So nobody Did you know about that? Yeah, because um, I think it's to help deter people who steal license plates or switch license plates. Yeah. I mean, you had to put the battery in it and stuff to make sure it, you know, it stays on. Yeah. But I, I like the fact that you don't have to go to the secretary of state anymore. You get this thing, you put it on your car, you make sure there's battery in it and your registration, all that's automatic. Yeah. Isn't that they cool? Charge your card and then they update your license plate remotely. I'm like, yeah. heck yeah. Okay, I don't know if you saw, but the Supreme Court recently said that police can enter your house without a search warrant, et cetera, if you're with 100 miles of a, um, the border of another country. And that just means literally all of Michigan. 
Right? Yeah. Uh, I did not know that. Fuck this place. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I had to throw that out there. You know, it's only once in a great while I actually read the news. Nice. I read the news all the time. But I want to tell you today about murderers who, guess what? Are dead. They got murdered. They didn't get murdered, but they died. <laughs> shortly after. Shortly after. Yeah. Thanks. Karma. Yeah. I do love when murderers get murdered. And I'm actually going to do not um, this, not today, but for the next one, I'm going to do cases that were solved without DNA. Because I think that, you know, a lot of cases are solved by DNA, but every now and then, you know, you don't need it. We have some cold cases solved by not DNA. Hmm. You yeah. want to go first or you want me to? Um, you know what? I'll go first real quick. I've got some, you know, they die. So (laughs) 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 I'm going to start, um, well, I got all my info from like people.com inside edition.com vice.com. And I don't know how to pronounce this like Ziri, Z-Y-R-I.net. Okay. Okay. So Jennifer Watkins, who was 23 years old in 1999, lived in Colorado Springs, Colorado. She was married and had children. Jennifer had been working as a dietary aide at Memorial Hospital for two weeks. Jennifer went to work on Saturday, November 6, 1999. That day, Jennifer failed to pick up her children from her mom's house after work. So both Jennifer's mom and her husband report her missing. November 8th, two days later, on a Monday, two employees went into an area of the hospital that was under construction. And they were in elevators. Um, they were elevator service employees. And they were the first one who noticed the smell that they referred to as, quote, unquote, distinctive. And they found the body of Jennifer Watkins wrapped in, a plas- wrapped in plastic and bound with duct tape. Jennifer had been sexually assaulted and she died from blunt force wounds to the head. And Jennifer's death was ruled as a homicide. And police looked at her husband, Michael. Now, Michael was interviewed several times by detective, by detectives, and he fully cooperated he was investigated extensively before being released without charges, and the case ends up going cold. Now, during the original autopsy and the collection of evidence, police had been able to find hairs, fibers, and a stain that was later t- determined to be semen on her pants and the plastic that was used to wrap up her body. Now, sometime between late 2017 and 2018, the detectives submitted the semen from Jennifer's rape to Paravon Nano Labs in the state of Virginia. Parabon was able to use the phenotyping, use phenotyping to determine that the murder suspect was a white man with blonde hair and blue eyes, and they believed his age to be around 25 years old. A composite sketch was made of the killer and released to the public. They were encouraged to check out the drawing and see if they recognized like the person in the sketch. They're asked to come forward if they did. And by 2019, the lab was able to create a genetic profile and they submitted it to genetic testing. Now, during August of 2020, a potential match was made and the murderer was then connected to Ricky Sievert. Familial DNA was taken from Ricky's relatives and it was confirmed as a match. So Ricky Sievert is the guy that raped and murdered um, Jennifer. So Ricky was 29 years old in 1999 during the time that Jennifer was murdered. He was also a coworker with Jennifer at the hospital at Memorial hospital as he had been employed there since the year before. And Ricky told detectives that at the time of the murder, that he did work a swing shift that day, but he had never seen Jennifer before and he was released without suspicion. Now, almost two years later to the day that Jennifer had been murdered, November 2nd, 2001, and she was murdered November 6th, 1999, 
Ricky Sievert was in a car accident on Highway 94, just east of Colorado Springs, and he died as a result of his injuries from the crash. And due to that death, though, they can't close her cases solved, but they closed it with special consideration. But I was like, aha, he killed her. And then two years later, he dies. Right. Yeah. Karma. Karma. It was a car crash, so nobody murdered him, but still dead. <laughs> yeah. And I would think, you know, well, probably because my mom worked at the hospital mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think you would pay too much attention to the husband, you know, because yeah. how do they get into the hospital? For real. You, you really can't just walk up in there. Well, maybe in 1999, you could. I did work at a hospital. I worked at a hospital from 1996 to 2017. And you could walk in, but there's security cameras. You know what I mean? So I, if you, if he at any point snuck in, they saw him. You know what I mean? Right. There's cameras at every entrance and in the <laughs> hallways and shit. Okay. So this next one I'm going to do, it takes place in Argentina. And it's, re- okay. So the events are referred to as the Monte Massacre takes place in Argentina and there's several conflicting stories. It's all very complicated, but I'm going to try to give you an idea of what happened. And in the end, what do we know? A murderer dies. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. May 20th, 2019, Carlos Suarez, 22, was driving around in his Fiat with some of his wrong- younger friends. He had two male friends, Danilo Sanson, 13, and Gonzalo Dominguez, 14. And the three men, the three males, they're not men, they're two are boys. They picked up two of the younger boys' friends as they were walking around the road. So they saw these two girls, Camilla and uh, Rocio, and they were walking around. Um, they pick them up. Everybody drives off. All five of them drive off. So what happened next is what's under contention. And the police are going to trial for the cover-up of their crime. So the car of the, with the, has the four kids and an adult in it. They come across three police officers. The police drove up to the car and they either flashed a gun or a flashlight at the car, which makes Carlos panic and he starts to drive away. The police then opened fire on the car, shooting 11 times, and the Fiat crashed into a trailer on the other side of the road and it kills all but one inside. Gonzalo Dominguez, 14, survives, but is in the hospital at this point in critical condition and he does later recover. Now, at first, the police say that the teens were trying to escape. And then they're like, okay, wait, well, actually what happened was um, they died in an unrelated accident. We weren't even there. What, they were just driving, boom, they crashed. We don't know, bullet holes? We're not, we're not sure how that happened. So the incident of the children and Carlos's death becomes known as the Monty Massacre. And in the end, 24 police officers are charged in February of 2021 with different crimes, including murder, obstruction of evidence, obfuscation of evidence, corruption as they work to cover up the murder of the three children and Carlos. So families of the victims, I know, right? 24 people tried to cover it up like judges, suppress the evidence, intimidate the um, parents. So families of the victims believe that the kids may have stumbled onto police corruption before the accident because the teens had gotten out of the car and they were walking around like recording each other, like, you know, just walking down the street or whatever. And the families believe that the Police thought the kids were maybe recording them while they were doing something shady. And they that's why they gunned them down. And a high-ranking official named Claudio Martinez was placed on house arrest for his part of the crime. He spent maybe like 15 months in, in his home when on May 11th, 2022, he was attacked by his own pet. He had a Rottweiler 
that bit Claudio repeatedly. And Claudio was admitted to the hospital with grievous injuries that led to his death from exsanguination. So basically, his he bled to death. His dog bit him till he bled to death. Must have known he was a bad guy. The dog was like, and you taste like shit. (laughs) 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 So yeah, he he got killed by his dog. Hmm. (laughs) I know. Uh, So tell me what murder do you have? All right. Mine is happens in 1997. Okay. In the Daily Pennsylvanian newspaper. They talked about Tamara as a University of Michigan student who was talented and gifted. She was a mother of a two and a half year old child. Okay. She she was close to graduating and was preparing to celebrate her upcoming 21st birthday. On September 23rd, 1997, at around midnight, police received a call regarding a domestic dispute at a U of M family housing complex. The person who called was a neighbor of Tamara's who told the newspaper they were woken up by screaming. Multiple Mm. neighbors went to see what was going on and it was reported they found Tamara on the ground and her boyfriend described as an on off relationship. Kevin Nelson, age 26, standing over her, repeatedly stabbing her. Oh, my God. The neighbors tried to stop him. He kept yelling, look what she made me do. I've had enough. It's over. And ranting about dying. That is the fucking thing that triggers me the most when they say, look what you made me do. No, motherfucker. Nobody made you do that. You chose that. I fucking hate that. That is the word. I I fucking hate that. Okay, I'm sorry. That's okay. (laughs) A public safety officer arrived finding Kevin bloody holding a knife. When he was asked to put the knife down, he didn't, and he was shot twice. This was actually the first time since the campus police was started in 1990 where deadly force had to be used. Wow. Tamara and Kevin were both taken to the hospital, and they both passed away during their surgery. Kevin had moved in with Tamara about six months before this situation. A neighbor told the Daily Pennsylvanian that the couple had a history of fighting, had seen Tamara bruised on multiple occasions. Another neighbor reported a day before um, that he was talking to Kevin and he had shared they were doing okay and the relationship was back on track. Wow. It was found in 1995. Kevin was arrested and convicted for domestic abuse against Tamara. And at that time, she actually had a restraining order against him. Wow. So from Tamara's death, there was, it it was created the annual Tamara Williams Memorial Lecture. This happens what what I could figure out is it happened somewhere on campus. Okay. So this is a series of lectures to celebrate her life and remind everyone of the ongoing fight um, to end violence. Okay. The Michigan Daily wrote a news article on the 2003 lecture 
And they talked about how friends and family of Tamara, you know, talk about that they weren't aware of any violence with their relationship. They knew they had fights, but never that it was as serious. The grandmother had told the newspaper that she actually didn't even know about the domestic violence charges until after her death. Wow. So during the, during the 2003 lecture, Tamara's mother actually spoke just pleading to everyone to not make the same mistake. You know, if you're in a situation or you have a problem that you got to tell somebody. And so this goes on each year. It's free and open to the public. I try to look online to see, I would think since it's the university of Michigan, it would have been, you know, there would be recordings of these, but I couldn't Uh find any. Uh, okay. But they have people, they have all kinds of people speak on violence, domestic violence. Jesus Christ, that's terrible. And yeah. the fact that her family didn't even know, but people honestly usually do hide it or feel, um, you know, some type of shame, even though it doesn't belong to them. Right. And I guess, you know, when you're living it, I mean, her apartment is the family housing. So she was staying on campus. she's a full-time student it seemed and she had a part-time job so I guess you don't you know you don't see your family I don't see my son my son's full-time student and when school's going I don't see him that often unless I barge in for real uh, my daughter same works full-time and goes to school and so um, don't really see her (laughs) so I thought this was important yeah it hit it, this one hit me a little bit. So yeah, if no, out I, there I, has an issue, you tell somebody. Yeah, and I'll help you. Yeah, no matter what what you're feeling, like it, it'll, it, it's not that bad to tell someone it's okay. You know what I mean? Right. I know sometimes it feels embarrassing or whatever, but it's it, it, it. We would rather have you tell us than to lose you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So that's well, what I got. All right. Well, I will see you next weekend, Jen. I hope your day perks up after this. <laughs> I got a new outdoor dining set. So uh-huh. here in a few minutes, I'm taking my schoolwork and I'm sitting outside and it will shine on me. Dang it. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to have a good morning and then I have to work this afternoon. But I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. Uh-huh. Well, I'll think of you when I have my feet up. I absolutely do that, will you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye.